So the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the whole healthcare environment and is causing significant challenges to effective communication that must be dealt with intentionally. I'm Rachel Deer, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with a Moving Target. This is the September 11th update of DKB Med Radio's Coronavirus Educational Series. Thank you for joining us. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC and AAPA credit, as well as AMA PRA Category 1 credits. For complete CE information and to attest for credit, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. There, you will find all of our previous COVID-19 programs and have access to other free CE programs on a wide range of topics. The slides for today's webinar can be found in the resource list window and as a green icon in the bottom menu. Today's learning objectives are, describe some of the challenges to effective communication between patient, family, and caregivers, and clinicians during the COVID-19 pandemic, and discuss communication strategies that have been employed during the COVID-19 pandemic. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Pfizer Incorporated and in-kind by DKB Med. All activity content and materials have been developed solely by the activity directors, planning committee members, and faculty presenters. Joining us today is David Reef, a critical care transport nurse at Johns Hopkins Lifeline. David, thank you so much for being here today. Great. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Rachel. It's an honor to be here. My name is David Reef. I'm a critical care nurse at Johns Hopkins Hospital. I used to work on the medical ICU for the past three years, just recently changed role to critical care transport at Lifeline. And I'm also a lecturer and SIM instructor at the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. So the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the whole healthcare environment and is causing significant challenges to effective communication that must be dealt with intentionally. And this is communication between providers and patients, families, caregivers, the whole healthcare team, it affects everyone. This presentation will deal largely with inpatient issues telehealth, case management, and outpatient care pose specific challenges that I have very little experience with, so I won't speak to that. And this is by no means a comprehensive overview, just my musings on recurrent issues noticed during my experience on the COVID ICU at the height of the pandemic here at Hopkins. Some of the changes to the healthcare system during the pandemic, um, universal masking, social distancing, which especially in the early days of the pandemic was causing a little bit of fear and avoidance of entering patients' rooms, although that has eased up. Airborne and contact PPE, paper hoods that cause a wind tunnel and decreases hearing, although at least you can see the person's whole face in a paper hood. And then face masks hide half of the face. Plastic half masks hide the face and they also muffle the voice, eliminating high-pitched sounds and muddling lower-pitched sounds. And hospital visitation is highly restricted and the healthcare system is overburdened in many areas. Teams are stretched thin. People are working long hours to exhaustion. Teams are often pulling from very different specialties, which means people have a different perspective, which can be good, but oftentimes there's the expectations of communication 
um, are not known or there's a missing common vocabulary. Facial coverings, including masks and face shields, are a physical barrier to facial expression, reading emotional cues. And there's a study that showed that physicians that wore masks were perceived to be less empathetic by patients. It also can make you feel a little out of breath talking in a mask all day, which can make you breathe deeply and sigh frequently. And those are physical cues that we generally don't want to relate to patients, maybe relaying disinterest or that we have someplace else to be. Vocal modulation is very difficult, especially with plastic half masks. You can feel like you're yelling a lot. There's very little subtlety in your vocal modulation, and it can be jarring communication. And there's frustration on both sides. Not only do you feel like you're not getting your point across, but the person you're speaking to may feel like they're being yelled at. Opportunities to overcome these challenges. We can use a face sheet on introduction. A face sheet includes a picture of yourself and maybe some personal notes that you don't mind sharing, your likes and dislikes, um, if you have any pets, things like that that are innocuous but humanize you. And similarly, we should ask humanizing questions of our patients and, and get to know them. You can put a picture of yourself on your person so that even though you're wearing a mask, they can see what you look like. And acknowledging the situation is very important. You can say something like, I know things are really different right now and it changes the way we deliver care to you. We feel it too and want to be really open and transparent about how we can best support you and your loved ones while you're here. Enunciate, increase the volume of your voice, and then validate and respect other people's feelings and use supportive statements. If you feel like you're not getting your point across, acknowledge that and patiently uh, continue communicating until you do. Another barrier is family and caregiver presence or lack thereof. The challenges are that we're not allowing many visitors in the hospital. This is especially challenging in goals of care conversations in which patients do not have the capacity to make decisions for themselves. It can be very challenging for designated powers of attorney to make decisions for a patient when they cannot see the patient's status. Additionally, there's the whole aspect of sudden loss. A patient may have fallen ill and maybe they didn't have much of a past medical history and this was not foreseen. This is a viral illness in the middle of a pandemic, as well as impaired grief. We're not allowing family members to come and see the process of dying and come to terms with it in a natural fashion. They're actually completely alienated from that process. Transitional care is challenging. Oftentimes these are complex discharges from the hospital, maybe a long ICU stay with heavy needs post-hospitalization. Maybe they're trached or pegged or require intensive physical rehabilitation. And all these discharges lead to vulnerabilities in, in poor coordination, especially when there are no patient advocates around. Caregiver burden. Suddenly we have a lot of sick people entering society that need care. And this baseline social isolation, family and caregivers being at home, self-isolating, and maybe caring for children that are going to school virtually, as well as suddenly having to take care of a family member that has a lot of health care needs. It's very challenging for people. Some opportunities to overcome these challenges. We have virtual communication, which has been a very useful tool during this time. I think we should be scheduling meetings daily with our patients and their family members, at least daily, for updates and patient video conferencing with family members. 
even with patients with a poor mental status, even with patients that are unresponsive, family members should be talking to them because we don't know what their lived experience is like. And it helps the family members see the whole process, see what we're doing for these patients and come to terms with, with what's happening as well. Designate a point of contact in the family. It can be very overwhelming to talk to many different people in one family. And oftentimes they might be hearing different points that you're communicating across. And when those points are disseminated, it can sound like you're telling different people different things. So having one point of contact is very important. Call the family during rounds. Bedside rounds should still be happening, maybe outside of the room to conserve PPE. And calling the family during rounds so that they're involved in care is very important. And then emotional support. Be creative. Ask the family what we can do to help them through this. And use, use our resources. Use social workers and use any resources you think would be appropriate. I want to quickly mention a special note on patient demographics. So we have seen vast disparities of health in the COVID-19 population, which may not be surprising. The Latinx population and the Black population have been hit particularly hard. We're not seeing it in Baltimore as much, but Native American populations, Hawaiian and Alaskan Natives, are disproportionately affected by COVID-19 as well. Older ages, since many of these epidemics are in long-term care facilities, as well as prison populations and other populations that cannot self-isolate effectively. And then, obviously, outcomes are worse for patients with pre-existing health conditions. And it's important to understand the relationship between serious psychiatric illness and medical comorbidities. Patients with serious psychiatric comorbidities are at a really high risk of accruing many medical comorbidities. So in this, I want to speak a little bit about being aware of cultural differences, striving to conduct culturally sensitive communication and care, and always with language services. This is a, a human rights issue to provide care with language services. There's a lot of historical trauma and mistrust of healthcare in some of these populations. Uh, we see it frequently in Baltimore, and that is real and valid. And then specific challenges with older aged patients or patients with a complex medical substrate. Oftentimes there's hearing and vision loss that are associated, which can increase communication challenges, dementia, and other baselines that are different from normal, as well as sensitivity to delirium and altered states of consciousness. Psychiatric comorbidities, there may be a lot of mistrust of the healthcare system due to chronic institutionalization, and oftentimes communication takes a lot of skill with these patients. And lastly, low health literacy. There's one question you can ask of your patients uh, to determine how literate they are in the healthcare system. And that's just, how confident are you filling out healthcare forms by yourself? Really easy. And it tells you how much support they may need in understanding what's going on with them. So the next barrier is high acuity. Challenges are altered mental status, sedation and paralytics, delirium, dementia and other baselines. Video interpreters are not very effective with patients with altered mental status. And then inability to ambulate outside of the room. Some opportunities to overcome these challenges. Speak to your patient. Narrate all of your care. Even if your patient is paralyzed and deeply sedated, we should be narrating everything that we're doing. Trauma-informed care. The idea that every person carries with them individual traumas and we have to be sensitive to those. And 
we can make assumptions about people's experiences. And there's a lot that goes into that. So you should look up trauma-informed care, but basically narrating your care, speaking to your patient, talking through why you need to do things and what they might feel like and what they entail. All those things are very important aspects of patient care. And then delirium precautions. All of the ICU patients should be on delirium precautions. Reduce the number of agents, particularly with older patients and particularly agents that are on beers criteria. Restore a day-night cycle. Decrease the amount of restraints. You do not need restraints for every intubated patient. You do not need restraints for every patient that is sedated. Utilize restraints on an individual basis. Decrease proceduralization. Pain, the number of lines attached to a patient, all of these things increase delirium. So decrease all of that. And then early mobilization, which is tricky when we're unable to ambulate patients outside of the room due to infection control policies, but just get creative, do standing marches or in-bed mobilization, anything you can do, mobilize your patient early. Reversing delirium saves lives. The last barrier I want to talk about is this overburdened healthcare system, particularly in certain areas, the healthcare system has been overextended. And this leads to people practicing outside of their specialty. On the ICU that I worked at, we had CRNAs working as bedside nurses, CRNAs working as RTs. We had a PT working as an RT. We had outpatient providers practicing in the ICU. And this is one of the beautiful things about this pandemic was it brought people in to rise to the occasion and work together to care for people but it also creates a whole set of unique challenges. We have very high acuity, more patients that are more acute. We have long hours and exhaustion. We have um, the PPE and the social distancing. And all of these factors are exacerbating systemic issues that we already face and leading to more burnout than we already had before, which was significant. Some of the opportunities to deal with these challenges, just-in-time education, set up simple educational materials for people to use, especially because most of our learning is, is virtual right now or right on the job. Set protocols and standards across your healthcare system for caring for COVID patients so that people have a common language and a common perspective. And then respect and patience and multidisciplinary inclusion, right? See this for what it is. It's really beautiful for people to be working together and we should be fostering camaraderie. Tell someone every day that you appreciate how they do something or how they helped out their coworker or, or something to that effect. Everyone's in it together. Everyone's working hard. And all of these things can increase our resilience. David, thank you for those updates. We'll now move to the listener Q&A portion. So all my patient's family is in another country. What can I do to provide better communication? This is a really challenging one and one that we faced very frequently on the ICU I worked on in Baltimore. A lot of our patients uh, come from Central America and all their family was down in El Salvador or Guatemala. Luckily at Johns Hopkins, it's a very big institution. We have specific resources for international patients. Most hospitals probably don't have that, but be certain to work with the patient's family and with language access services to make sure that you have qualified interpreters and a set time to meet with this family, at least on a daily basis, so that they feel involved in the care, they feel like they know what's going on, 
and they have the support to deal with the very difficult situation of having a sick family member so far away. My facility does not have access to technology that can allow for video conferencing. What can I do to promote effective communication? This is another very challenging one. These are unprecedented times and people have to get creative within the system that they have. Now's the time to petition leadership to maybe buy a couple tablets for the unit that you have that have installed on them some HIPAA-safe video conferencing applications. And if that's not an option, I've seen nurses that I work with set up GoFundMe accounts to get certain technology or tools for patients, which is not ideal, but right now is the time to be creative and make sure that we have the tools that we need to provide excellent care for our patients. Additionally, iPhones are very easy to clean off. And so depending on your own comfort and talking with legal services at your hospital, I know some providers were using iPhones granted to them by the institution or personal iPhones with HIPAA compliant applications uh, to do video conferencing with their patients as well. And here are the resources I used for today's presentation. Great, thank you, David. As a reminder to claim credit, please complete the evaluation at covid19.dkbmed.com and select today's activity. You'll receive your certificate immediately after. Any questions or issues, feel free to email us at the address listed. To submit questions, please send them to qa at dkbmed.com. That's Q is in question, A is an answer at dkbmed.com. Again, thanks for joining us and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19. Thanks again, David. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here.